When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Roomverse. It's episode 111. Steve here. I have a special guest, Mas Riccio. I went north of the border to get our guest this week. Uh, Jimmy and Brandon are both tied up with work. So Mas, how are you doing? And thanks for joining us. I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Unfortunately, like I had to tell my last guest last week, Steve uh, Saruti, had to bring him on after a loss. I'm bringing you on after two losses since the last time we recorded. So not the ideal uh, time to be a Jalarosa fan, I guess we can say, because... It's been a little tough the last two weeks. So we'll focus mostly on Torino since that was the, the match yesterday. I know you got to watch most of the Sassuolo matches. Certainly throwing anything you can add on that. But, I mean, Roma again yesterday struggling to generate chances for about 70 minutes until the magic man Paulo Dybala stepped on the field. Uh, I saw the XG at the end of the match. One source had 1.35, one had 1.7, but the non-penalty XG was 0.59. Um, and after falling behind it, it, it really looked like Roma was going to struggle to find a goal until Dybala stepped in. So what do you make of uh, the, the Roma struggles and attack without Dybala on the pitch? In the uh, in the bigger scheme of things, yeah, Dybala does help. But I feel a lot of our players haven't been what we were used to seeing uh, from last year. Tammy's been snake bitten. He scores here and there. Um, I think Pellegrini was playing with a knock for the longest time. He was saying up until the derby. So we're missing a lot of that creativity we would get from Pellegrini that we had last year. Uh, he seems to be a shell of his former self, but I could kind of understand uh, if he was playing with a knock. Uh, Dybala helps tremendously, but again, he's we knew this coming in. He's relatively fragile. So, But he does make an immense difference. You see the chances we're generating over uh, when he's not on the pitch. So it would be good to see everyone finally firing at the same time. I think that's the bigger problem is like who's on, who's not. And there's a disconnect there because not everyone's firing at the same time. But we'll take the creativity when we can, especially when he's on the pitch, right? I mean, we get, we're we really uh, struggling to get ourselves some uh, balls at the back of the net. Yeah, I think you make a great point. We knew he coming in, he had his injury issues, right? We knew we were probably not going to get 38 matches out of him. Definitely not. Probably not even 30 based on his track record lately. And when he's been out, Roma's missed him. But I think you made a great point about Pellegrini, too. Even though he's been on the pitch, he has looked to shell of himself. And he has been gritting his teeth quite a bit. There was a match earlier in the season where I think he got nicked up a bit and played through it. It might have been one of the, the Europa League matches. And, you know, you could see he's not himself, creating the chances for Tammy. And I think, too, from a uh, Tammy perspective, and I, I've read some comments that Zaniolo is not really the ideal partner for him if he needs someone to kind of unlock the defense for him, right? Zaniolo, for all the explosion he can generate on the counterattack with his runs and his pace and his strength his passing game is still lacking right his finishing is still lacking a bit unfortunately he's only got those couple goals and I thought when Tammy scored on the uh the midweek match against that I was like oh man maybe this is what's going to get him going now he's got the goal he's going to have some confidence and yesterday he kind of looked like a shell of himself again so I know he issued the public apology after the the derby he did it again yesterday I'm really hoping that Pellegrini getting this nice long 50-day rest, right, without Italy, unfortunately, being in the World Cup. And Tammy now having plenty of time with Roma unexpectedly, because I think most people expect him to be with England at this point. They can kind of work those things out. Dybala, of course, will be with Argentina. But I think having, you know, the rest of the crew there, especially Belotti too, maybe this will help bring some cohesion to the attack. Yeah, um, the, I think the break couldn't have come sooner for this team, especially with all the knocks that a lot of our players have. And a lot of them, I think, just need a a good long break to kind of reset and get refocused. Tammy, I'm not shocked he didn't get called up, though. I mean, if it would have been Tammy of last year, I completely agree. He was absolutely electric for us. But this year, he's looked in snake bitten. It's been pretty bad, yeah. so I can understand not getting that call up. Uh, Dybala... I, 
the biggest concern with players getting called up for the World Cup is that you're worried that they're going to get injured on these international tourneys. And the bigger issue is the fact that it's in the middle of the season. Like it's one of those like weird situations like the AFCON where it's like being played in the middle of uh, the regular season for City yeah, and all major leagues. But I don't think he's going to play much considering he just got back. I don't think they're going to really force him into that lineup in Argentina either. But hopefully, I mean, look, he gets a, he gets a couple touches, gets himself back into the flow of things. Um, but I think we're also going to get a couple of players back from long-term injuries like Wijnaldum. I know he was slowly starting to work with the first team again um, during practice of doing solo drills from what I'd seen. I, I'm just trying to see what the way this team's going to come out of the break because we have 50 days. Mourinho's got plenty of time to kind of retool, figure it out, see – who would be best moving forward um, from with this team right now? Because I feel like the only answers we do have, and I've seen it, and I love our youth system more than anything in the product that comes up. Like we have Zaluski, who's always looked great. I'm kind of glad he's getting a lot more times, uh, a lot more time on the field, and a lot more chances to start. Uh, Volpato's the only one uh, looking at the last few games that he's been on that played with any kind of sense of urgency, I find, or any sense of hunger, which is nice to kind of see. Um, so hopefully we see more of them to kind of help rotate the squad and keep everyone healthy. Cause we do have that depth, especially with the youth product that we could bring up and put on the pitch. Yeah, so. I think you're right. I think this, this break is at the perfect time for a team like Roma, for a team like Napoli, it's at the worst possible time, but for a, a Roma, it is, it is perfect because they have really, you know, the injuries have piled up. Spinazzola, when Haldum has been out all year, Pellegrini has been knocked up, you know, but not knocked up isn't really the right term, but banged right. up, I should say. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Dybala just back. We saw 20 minutes of really good stuff from him yesterday. I, I think you're right. I think with Argentina, he probably starts out as kind of like their super sub. If they need a goal late, they have a lot of attacking talent on that team. Hopefully they don't push him too hard too soon. Like you said, it's the middle of the season. If this was like June regular world cup, Argentina decides to push him. He gets hurt. You got two months to get healthy for Roma. Um, that That's the, the one worry I think you're right is we hope he gets back into the flow, but we hope he doesn't come back with some kind of, you know, hamstring injury or something that he's been prone to to pick up. And I agree. I think the the, the youth system is starting to really show, uh, bear its fruits a bit. You know, Roma's always had a pretty highly rated youth system, but most of the guys have gone elsewhere to find playing time and finally emerge. Like Caprari is a player I think of who was, you know, about a decade ago was pre- pretty highly rated. It took him a little while to find his feet and he had a couple pretty good seasons for Hellas and he's turned into a decent Serie A player. But, you know, under Mourinho, who doesn't have a reputation of being a guy to play young players, Zalewski is now a regular. Um, Volpato has certainly worked his way into the attacking rotation. I'm hoping to see a little more Bove at times um, because Same. he was kind of the first one to break in, but he's he's found his time limited in a midfield that's kind of been you know, injury depleted with Wijnaldum and, and not been that great. Um, Tahirovic made his first appearance yesterday. I know Mourinho has talked about him a lot. And I think Matic is, is great for him, like Mourinho said, because they share, um, you know, the the kind of this, the Serbian roots. Um, and he's got that kind of guidance, even though he was born in Sweden. I know he had a quote that said, you know, even though I was born in Sweden, my favorite player is still Jekyll. I, I'm Bosnian origins. And they kind of share that connection. And um, hopefully that'll help him because he plays a similar position. So the, the youth system is strong. Part of me wishes Zalewski chose to play for Italy being born in Italy, but he's, yeah. he's going to be at the World Cup of Poland. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think these guys will have to bring some energy for Rome. And I'm looking at the schedule and I'm seeing the, the these two friendlies in Japan, that Japan training camp is at the end of November. I almost wish it was a couple weeks later to start to get some of these players back healthy and really then Marino could toy around a little bit more. Roma's only got four players going to the World Cup and one of them is Vigna who doesn't play much. So it really gives him almost his full contingent of players to really work with. Yeah, it'd be the perfect time to kind of see what you have, who's healthy, and what works. I mean, they're, you obviously want to win against the Japanese teams, right? It's You're coming from a much bigger league in that sense, but um, we'll see what he does. Hopefully they kind of see what works and maybe start, like you said, start giving more looks to the youth guys. I'd like to see Bove, now that you brought him up, but he was... Uh, showing up here and there, and then I don't know what happened. He just disappeared onto the bench. Considering that our midfield is depleted, I don't see why he hasn't been getting more uh, more chances. Um, so I get, we'll see. I mean, it's like you said, it's bearing its fruits. It's been great to see Zaluski actually getting starts and getting in there. Hopefully, the same with Volpato. He's much younger. He's he's eighteen, I think. Yeah. So 
slowly but surely. And like you said, like Mourinho, it's I'm more shocked that I'm seeing some of the youth players coming in because he's not known to really bring them in. So we'll see. And that uh, Tahirovic, like you were saying, it'd be good because Matic, I feel he is past his prime a little bit, but he has that leadership in the locker room, which I think why Mourinho brought him. And it'd be good to have him as a mentor for Tahirovic. So we'll see how this all plays out. Um, hopefully they come out gunning in the second half. They have no choice, I think, to kind of make top four. I think anything less than top four is not uh, not the not the ideal for this team. I think that was the goal coming into year two. Yeah, Champions League qualification is certainly what they you know set out to do, and I think less than that is a disappointment. I don't think anybody expected Napoli to be as good as they are, and even better than good like they're outstanding right now so that kind of throws a little kink in the plans if you figure those two milan clubs and juve were in the mix too um atalanta's falling off lazio has their flaws we've seen even though they beat us so it'll certainly be a a race for the top four i I think the good thing for roma too normally the halfway point comes at christmas time right you've already played 19 of your 38 matches you've only played 15 matches so far so they're still plenty of matches remaining like i was talking uh, to a couple of my buddies they're like oh if napoli beat beat Udinese, you you making them like lock up the scudetto i'm like it's only 15 matches even with an eight point gap there's still so much time where things could just change so quickly with this break especially could really you know hurt a team like napoli maybe it you know hinders juve a little bit after they start to get into a little form so we'll see where it all goes um but it's going to be interesting to see how roma responds after this break like you said because if they don't come out firing on January 4th against Bologna, they're really digging themselves a hole and um, they're going to need the healthy players. I think, like you said, Volpato, 18 years old. I mean, he's really showing that he can be uh, a useful piece this year. Like Zalewski last year, I don't expect him to start all the time once you know, everybody's back, but a little spark off the bench, like he provided uh, a couple weeks ago, I think is a perfect role for him. hundred um, percent. He's got a very interesting story too. He was like rejected by a whole bunch of Australian teams and, found his way with Roman to gave him a chance. So it looks like he's uh, paying them back in kind with his efforts. So I'm, I'm really happy with how he's turned out. Yeah. You never ha- know how these prospects will turn out. And um, when he was linked with, you know, Sassuolo and part of the um, p- possible exchange for Fratesi to, to mitigate the cost and things like that, I was like, you know, if you have to send him over and have a buyback clause, like Roma's done in the past with some of these players with teams like Sassuolo, why not? But now it's like, well, we see what he's got, keep him around and, and see how he can develop at least for the rest of the season. We'll see where he goes from there. Um, yeah, I think the point you made with Bove was was spot on. Like, if the midfield is missing so many players, why not give him a chance when we were stuck with Matic and Cristante so often? But maybe he gets a chance in the Copa somewhere down the line or some of these other these places. But I think if Roma doesn't finish top four, then it's Europa League or bust because you need that champion to qualification, I think, in Mourinho year two. Yeah, I think we do, especially in terms of funding. Um, I don't know if we've been linked with anyone during the winter transfer. I haven't seen many rumors. But I feel like there's a couple of pieces we could kind of maybe shore up on, I think, right now. I don't see the need for Fratezzi right now. I don't know how you feel about that. Because I feel like it's come and gone, the whole Fratezzi saga. I'd love to have him back. Um, I don't think he's maybe the the main thing you need in January. But if you can find a way to secure him, I think in a longer-term picture, he's a great buy. I think he's that kind of box-to-box midfielder who makes those late runs that Roma could really use. You see the the goals he scores with Sassuolo sometimes you're like, man, if Roma had a guy cutting into the box late, it would be so useful in, in how they're struggling to score goals. Um, but of course there could be other places where they could spend money to reinforce with looking at the roster now. I mean, we'll, we'll come back to the match, but where do you see the the biggest need for Roma at this point? You think if you, Solbach is coming on, on the free, where else would you look to reinforce at this point? I, the middle of that, the, the, the back end of that midfield, like where you got Cristante Matic. I don't know if Wijnaldum's going to fill in somewhere there. I, uh, Matty Kamara has been phenomenal filling in there, and he's been great. But we're going to need one more. I, I I think he's had his flashes, but I think Cristante is just a really frustrating player to watch, and I think we do need someone in that position to to kind of solidify that midfield. Like yeah, I was they watching... need someone almost like that could dictate play a little bit more, right? And and break up play. And Cristante, I think, not to cut you off, but he just he can hoof it long and play some pretty good long balls. But he's not like that. I don't want to say we need a Jorginho, but someone who can just kind of dictate play from there. Yeah, who's not scared to kind of invite pressure, escape it, and kind of hold on to that ball and look for a better option instead of just booting it down. 
Yeah. Um, because I find myself kind of like staring at the TV in confusion where I just see him kicking it down and I'm like, but to who? You know? Yeah. Like it's a lot of like no one on the end of the pass. So maybe around there, uh, the back line that everyone was kind of concerned about, I find is either another situation where we're punching above our weight on the back line, but maybe just someone to kind of rotate uh, at the back for uh, Ibanez or Mancini. I, th- I feel like Smalling's finally fit and he's been able to play a lot more often. He's been great this year. Um, I can't really say, I can't really talk much ill of our back line. They've been better than I would have expected. Because I think that was like everyone's biggest concern coming into this year. So maybe not there. And going back to transfers and what's whatnot and the Sassuolo game, maybe if Karsdorp is heading out that door after what's been going on, we might need someone to kind of fill in for his position too. So yeah, that, that's going to be, uh, that's the thing. Like coming into the season, you're like, oh, we have now we have Karsdorp who's coming off a pretty good season. We have Selleck coming in who's pretty highly rated from from Lille. And you're like, okay, right back maybe isn't a position of weakness anymore like it's been for so long. And now after what happened this week, uh, it looks like if Karsdorp goes, you're going to need a right back because you can't, even if you were to shift like Zalewski over there and let him play the right and spin out to all the left, who, who's your alternate on the left? Are you playing Alshari at wing back or... You know, does Mourinho decide to stick with the back three or does maybe a switch to a back four better suit Roma to try to create more offense? Um, but the back line, like you said, has been the most secure part of the team. And I think that's the conundrum Roma's in because even yesterday, he kept three center backs on down a goal. We are like, well, maybe take off one of those center backs like he's done in the past and he didn't. So it's, it's kind of, I think, a creation of not having that guy in the center of the midfield, like you said, who can take the pressure off the defense, invite pressure from the opposing side, move the ball. And and I think if we had someone like that, then maybe you could play two center backs. Yeah, exactly. So it's a lot of, there's a lot, like if depending how you look at it, like you said, like there's, it could be, we don't really need anything or there's going to be some pieces we will need. So it all depends on how they plan on moving forward. And we got to monitor that cars or saga as well. Yeah. I, yeah. So, I, did, I didn't see that live. You saw it in live time. What, what exactly occurred? Because I know it was Mourinho mentioned effort in his post-match press conferences, not giving the effort to support the team. Whereas he, he compared it to Ibani's, he goes, Ibani's made a mistake, but he was giving full effort the whole time. He wasn't letting his teammates down. So what, did you see anything in the, in the action? So um, kind of going back to that, that game, um, I, th- I saw a lot of Mourinho's like, like comments about it. And I think what's bothering Mourinho more is like when you see like Karsdorp getting ready on the sidelines as you're getting ready to get on, like he's not ready. And Mourinho's just briefing him, getting him on the pitch and going like Mourinho's like briefing him while he's getting ready Mm. next to him, you know? So I find like, I could kind of understand where Mourinho's coming on that side, but the effort I saw on the, uh, the Pinamonte goal, he kind of let the guy run loose on the left to get that ball into the middle. So, I feel like he just got beat and didn't really cover track back as fast as he, he was way back on yeah. that play after he got burned on the left. So I, I don't know if there's just more to it inside the locker room that we're not seeing or maybe in training. I don't know, but from what I'm seeing on the field and when he's getting ready to get on, I could kind of understand where Mourinho is coming from, but to, to an end to like Karsdorp's not necessarily helping himself when he kind of gives up on the play. And I just see him behind the entire play as the goal is going in. Like, he's not really into the action, you know? So, we'll see how that plays out. But if Mourinho's calling you out, I mean, it tends to be a, a pretty big deal, I would think. I mean, he's notoriously known for throwing his players under the bus. But if he's complaining about, like, how you're kind of carrying yourself, getting onto the pitch, and then you're not backing it up, or at least quelling those concerns on the pitch he might have a bit of a reason to be as hard as he is on Karsdorp. Yeah. And it's interesting because he, you know, praised Karsdorp a few weeks ago for playing basically on, on one knee because he came back from a meniscus. Selleck was also hurt and he sucked it up for 90 minutes. Um, I forget which match it was off the top of my head, but he played the whole match and didn't complain. And, you know, Marino praised him for that. And then we saw what happened. And on the goal, he did. He did lollygag it back. You saw he was like at the top of the box. The ball's way down toward the end line. And he didn't seem to be hustling at all. Um, and then it was interesting because then you see the the, the photos from uh, it was either Thursday or Friday's training session. And he was training. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe like they patched it up. And then the next day, 
he's not called up. So it'll be interesting to see where that saga goes. If Roma decides to to loan him out or move him, then they're going to have to replace him. So it, it becomes very complicated in January, especially on a team of Roma's budget where you're not going to want to really splash the cash on a right back too, I think, which is another issue. Exactly. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But apparently he's left the city with his family. So I yeah. don't know. Yeah. So that's never a good sign either. I don't know if it's just because it's the international break. Maybe. Who knows? But. The media is going to spin it how they want. We'll just have to wait and see. And hopefully they could kind of sort it out. Um, as f- He's been much more consistent this year, I find, up until this point than in previous years. So I have no um, issues with Karsdorp. But if he's heading out the door, we're going to have to figure out how we're going to fill that spot in too. Which yeah, that's think- the whole thing. He's turned himself into a decent player for Roma. It's not like he's you know the same mistake prone player from a couple of years ago. He's not the the he's not Mike Cohn when he was here for that one year, but he's not also not um, you know an awful player. No, exactly. And the thing is, then it creates a a need to spend in a position we didn't necessarily have to to begin with. When there's some other positions where I feel we could kind of need that backup and spend a bit more on that end. So we'll see how that go, how that goes. Um, it's just an interesting turn of events after being praised, and then suddenly Marino just turns on yeah. you like that. Yeah, and DiBala in the post match presser was asked about him, and and he he was asked how does the group respond to the situation with Rick Karsdorp, and he was he said I was not there when it happened. I did not witness it for myself. Obviously, I talked with my teammates in the change rooms, and there are a lot of things that should remain between us players. We're a united bunch. We have to keep it that way, and we support any of our teammates. Those who are going through a tough spell, just as much as those who are doing really well. So he gave the politically correct answer. He did, um, yeah, yeah. You know, he's going to keep it in house. He's a veteran. He knows better, especially a guy who's been playing in Italy for like ten years. He knows about the Italian media, and he wasn't going to leak any secrets. But we'll see. Um, you know, the the group does seem united. We don't really ever see any issues on the pitch between players or hear of any. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how that situation played out. Now, one thing that was interesting going back to the match was Wendy Ball was on. He did draw a penalty. And he didn't take the penalty. It ended up being Andrea Belotti. Um, and when Marini was asked, was Belotti the designated penalty kick taker? He goes, no. And when he was asked who was, he goes, I'm not going to tell you, but it wasn't Belotti. The issue is never in making a mistake, but if you don't stand up and give everything you're capable of, Belotti had the courage to step up and take the penalty. At least he had the courage to do that. Dybala was also asked, and um, he was asked, were you supposed to take the penalty? How did the situation play out? He goes, no. There was nothing said on who should take the penalty. Sometimes it all happens in an instant. I looked up and Andre had the ball. We shared a look and he felt ready to take it. So I left it to him. There's no issue and there's trust between us. Andre has scored a lot of goals over the years. Unfortunately, today he missed the penalty, but that could happen to anyone. So I was shocked. I know he was limping a little bit because he had gotten hacked before that. Yeah. But uh, without Pellegrini on the pitch, I thought, okay, if maybe he's knocked up a little bit. He got a knock on the shin or whatever. Maybe he leaves it for Abraham, who's kind of in need of another goal. And it was Belotti who also needs a goal to be fair, but and if he makes it, probably nobody thinks twice about it. But when your best player's in the pitch, he he kind of leaves it. Were were you a bit shocked? I kind of laughed because I'm just staring like, oh, PTSD from the last time he took a penalty and scored. He's gonna limp off again, right? Yeah. So, but he no, he took a bit a bit of a serious knock there. Like I saw the foul, so it's just very two contradicting tales from the player and the manager, like the. Got Mourinho, yeah, we know who was supposed to take it. And then Dybala's like, it wasn't really set in stone. So, I mean, it could have happened to anyone. We've seen it. Even Pellegrini. Yeah. Pellegrini's been one of those that you were shocked if you ever missed one. And he's missed a couple. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not nothing to – if we, he would have scored, like you said, if, if Bilotti buries that one, this is a non, non-point. non Like, this isn't spoken about. It just goes on as it is, and that's it. So, I think Mourinho. Uh, I think Mourinho had gotten the red that game as well from the side yes. of the bench. Yeah. So he was probably fired up and emotional too. So something probably just slipped out. So I don't know. Um, but I get it because I saw DiBala take that that knock and it, it looked tough. Like you're not gonna want to step up after getting hit that way. So I mean, again, if Bilotti scores that, we're not talking about. We're this. not talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe exactly. maybe Roma wins. Who knows? Maybe they still find that second goal. Maybe they don't. But. And I think the thing that made me nervous was when he stepped up, I'm like, oh, it's his ex-team. Like, is there that little extra in the back of his head against his ex-team who he's played for for a while? Um, and then I was sitting there watching the game. My wife was on the couch. And I just, when he missed it, because she's like, you know, she always like, Roma stinks. Like, why do you bother every weekend watching this team? And I literally <laughs> laughed out loud. Like, 
I was like, this is unbelievable. Like, it, of course he misses because this is how Roma season's going the past few weeks. And I literally laughed out loud. And I have nothing against Belotti. I wanted him at Roma. I, I wanted him even before we had Tammy. I thought he was a great signing. I'm hoping he turns it around, but that certainly is not going to help his confidence moving forward. And I'm not surprised of all the players on the team that Dybala would leave it to him because they do have that history from the Palermo days. So he knows him well. Um, and I'm sure in the back of Dybala's mind, he's like, well, Andre needs a goal, right? Let, let's let him take it. And we've seen teams do that in the past um, where they let the guy who's kind of struggling and is a goal scorer take the, the penalty and it kind of gets him going after that. And and it, it just didn't happen for him there. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But I'm I'm sure there's some kind of hierarchy. And, you know, Dybala didn't want to call anybody out. Marino didn't want to call out probably Dybala because it was probably him without Lorenzo on the pitch. Um so we'll see what happens. Um, but it was just an interesting little thing that happened in that match. Yeah, it, it was just, it was funny. Cause you, like you said, it, it had to happen against Torino, like a vault, yeah. like his previous former, his former team. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they are professionals, right? I mean, there's no love lost once you're at another team. So he probably wouldn't have celebrated if he would have scored. It would have been yeah. all, you know how it is like, no. Nah, yeah. Like, hands up. Don't touch like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. No, no. Like, I'm not proud of it, but I scored anyway. Uh, yeah, but he does need that. And I'm sure, like, you've seen it. Like, especially when you have players that have been kind of struggling and your goal scorers to kind of help them going, you give them that, by all means, should be that freebie goal, right? So, just a f- like you said, it, it, it couldn't describe uh, Roma season any better than when you watch him hit the outside of that post yeah. on the spot kick. Yeah, and he had Milinkovic-Savage going the wrong way. So a couple inches to the right, it's a goal. We don't talk about it, but it, unfortunately, that's that's kind of how Roma's season's been going so far. Yeah. Um, Mourinho was asked a couple other questions, gave some interesting little you know tidbits, so we can talk about those a little bit before we move on to the bigger s- scheme of things. Um, he said he didn't want to talk about the sending off, so we're not going to go into that. But talking about the game itself, he said um, which one of them? There were about there was one up until about seventy minutes, one in which Roma fans wanted to go home. They were annoyed and whistling, whereas in the final 20 minutes in the other game, we created more than we managed in the last four or five matches. Why is that? It's simple. When someone like Dybala isn't playing, it becomes very different for us. I don't want to get into imaginary scenarios, but how many points would we have picked up from those six games if Dybala had played? And for two of them, we didn't even have Pellegrini either. You can see the issues we have with how we play, but the spark is there with those two. There are players who are struggling for fitness and need to recover. Individually speaking, there are a few who need to reflect on things, reflect on their own performances like I will do with myself. But having said that, only a United side like we are could have done what we did today. When you hit the post twice and miss a penalty in injury time, usually that's it for you. But instead, we battled until the very end. I see those 20 minutes as 20 minutes of reasons to be hopeful. Uh, the hope of seeing Dybala, Pellegrini, and everyone else on the pitch together, even to Herovic. It's been a few weeks now that I've been saying this. Uh, he was ready, and today he came on and did well. Congratulations to him on his debut. So Mourinho kind of getting at the same point you made earlier, no Dybala, no Pellegrini, and and they're just missing something. Yeah. It's, but I also think that stems back to maybe how Tammy's been playing as well. Like we've seen him kind of drop back deeper and kind of help create moving the ball forward. He's just not finding that success this year. There's like, yeah. like I said, there's, there's a lot of our players that just seem to be out of form and it's really been hurting us. We've been kind of squeaking away with some draws and some some really close wins but i think it's a we're not all everyone's not firing at the same time and i think that's what we saw last year where it was like that flash of what could be with this team and then you add dibala into that and then it's just like we should be world beaters at this point with a dibala right and then we step into this season and it's just been very up down and we're struggling to get goals in open play it's it's tough. I think Mourinho knows that, that there's something going on. Like the, the team seems united, like he says, but I just feel like there's a lot of players that there's something going on. They're just not firing. There's, there, there's something happening. There's like, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence. Uh, hopefully Pellegrini it's because he's been playing with a knock, but there's a lot of guys that just need that confidence boost. Like I think Tammy getting a couple more goals would probably get him back to speed. Um, Bilotti, but a lot of you see his effort though. Like I can't knock mm-hmm. a lot. He, he's just gonna, it'll, he'll eventually find the back of the net, but it's just creating chances without Dybala and Pellegrini seems to be very tough for this team. Very difficult. And, and I think Mourinho's right in that sense. I, I think he's right that the players are united. They seem to play till the very end. I mean, they found that goal very late yesterday. 
it took a while SS. Well, they found one in the eighties, but unfortunately gave up the tying goal. I mean, they, they battle. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I think he's changed that aspect because in the past, um, Roma's of the past would have given up that one goal early. They've, they would have struggled for the next 15, 20 minutes to score and they would have never had a chance to score. So even with the struggles, they're finding ways, at least you nicked a point off of this match where it might've been none, um, you know, but it, it'll be interesting to see when hopefully Pellegrini's healthy, hopefully Dybala's healthy, Mourinho's words look prophetic and the team starts to really create those chances. Then maybe gets Tammy gets a couple goals and Belotti gets a couple goals in the first couple matches back. And then it's like, okay, everybody starts clicking. And maybe this team becomes the team we thought they could become. Now, I wasn't on the Scudetto hype train as soon as Dybala signed. I figured there would still be some some things that needed to be worked on and maybe a couple other positions to be strengthened before you really have Scudetto favor, like some people were hoping. But definitely, I thought we'd be in a little stronger position heading into the break. If you had asked me about a month ago, I'd, I'd say, you know, well, we look like a top four team, even though we're not finishing goals. Um, and now they're going to have to make up a little ground. Oh, for sure. But like you said, the Scudetto hype train, I mean, just because we signed one player, there's 11 on the pitch, right? Right. So as great as Dybala is, and we've seen it with with Palermo, we've seen it with Juve, he's a fantastic talent, health issues for sure, but it doesn't necessarily automatically make us a Scudetto contender. And I feel that seems to be the general um, reaction with a lot of the Roma fan base. We're all very, it's very high low. There's no in between, like no one's really yeah. sensible, level headed. Um, signing on Dybala, I, I would have seen us at least fighting a lot closer to the top four than at the midpoint of the season than where we're at now. But the Scudetto was never really in my my train of thought. I think there's still uh, maybe a year or a year or so away before we can actually say we're a were a, a Scudetto favorite. But like you said earlier, no one expected Napoli to come out firing the way they did. But in everyone keeps forgetting, Spalletti's already kind of hit one of his prophecies. He got the club legend Alton Insigne, ran him mm. out of town. <laughs> That's true. And everyone keeps forgetting when that Christmas break looms, you never know how Spalletti's going to come out on the other side because we've seen we've seen it personally with Roma when he was there. That Christmas break, the mm-hmm. dreaded Christmas break for Spalletti. So does Napoli come out firing the way they did at the start of the season? Who knows? Yeah. So, and that's the thing I've, I've had out there too. Maybe not for Roma to catch them, but maybe for Milan or Inter exactly. or Juve. You have to wonder, is that reputation going to start to sneak up on him again? Or is he going to be able to buck that trend in a very funky year with such a long break after his team is is on you know scorching hot so that'll they've be the interesting so thing. hot yeah. they've been so hot and who would have thought uh was it Kavara, Kavara Salia yeah. who like if if anyone would have said like we were gonna this kid's gonna come into city and tear it up you you had to be lying like there's no way anyone could have predicted that too yeah that's came such in unknown. a meanwhile uh, the Cantile or however you pronounce his name at Milan was the, the one coming in with the hype and he's done absolutely nothing it's it's so hard to predict these things exactly so I mean, good on them, but uh, hopefully Roma can kind of slowly bounce back because I feel like we could catch on to an Atalanta and a Lazio mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, the top three in Napoli and the two Milans may be on their day. Mind you, saying that we can't really stand toe-to-toe at Napoli, I mean, we only held them to a goal. They've kind of come out and done some more damage to some top team top teams. That we held them to a goal was... I mean, look, Smalling had an absolute uh, masterclass that game. I remember watching it. I was freaking out. So who knows uh, what can happen after the break? Maybe we we could be play party pooper, at least for Napoli Scudetto chances. Yeah, you, know? you never know. All right, so we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then uh, when we come back, Mas and I will talk a little bit about looking forward um, post-break and a little bit about some uh, Jersey news that's coming around. All right, so we're back. So... Moss, we talked about how these last couple weeks have been very rough on Roma. Three drop points against Lazio, two against Sassuolo, two against Torino yesterday. So that's seven drop points out of nine in the last three weeks. And now it puts Roma in a position where they're now, uh, you know, very handily out of the top four into seventh place in the table, leveled out a lot to technically on six, but behind on the uh, head-to-head. Inter's in fifth on 30. Lazio's level with them uh, on 30. So technically Inter's level on fourth. It's a goal differential thing there. Juve on 31, and then you go up to Milan on 33, and then it's all the way at Napoli on 41. So thinking longer term and thinking that top four at minimum is the, is the goal, how much do you think these seven points really hurt Roma going forward? I mean, like you said, it's only 15 of the 19 that we usually get at the break. So I, it all depends. Like, 
what happens against the smaller teams that we should be beating. Like we shouldn't be dropping points. Like if we look at the schedule now for when they come out the break, we got Bologna, uh, Milan's a bit of a tough one. Uh, Fiorentina, Spezia. We should get we should get full points at least against Bologna, Fiorentina, and Spezia. I mean, it's a way. I think it's a way to Fiorentina on uh, on the fifteenth. But I think it could they could get it done. Milan, if we could draw, at least not lose all points. If we could at least draw, it could kind of help us out. But the first three games, we should easily be beating Bologna. We should be beating Fiorentina. So it all depends how we do against these sort of mid-table to lower-table teams because we've been notorious for dropping points against some of them when we shouldn't have been. The top, the How we come out against some of the tougher teams is time will tell, especially now that we're going to get a lot of players back. We don't know how the team's going to look with who is coming back healthy. So I don't think it hurts us that much just yet. But I think the first three, four games, once the season kicks back into swing, is going to tell us a lot of how this season's going to end. Yeah, I agree. I mean, up until these last two matches, Roma hadn't dropped any points to teams outside of the top, like, eight spots or so. Uh, the only loss to a team that was outside the top seven was Udinese. And at the time, they were they were really hot. And then, you know, Roma kind of did themselves a lot of damage, and Udinese capitalized on it. Prior to that, the only draw was against Juve before these two draws. So Roma's been doing a good job of getting those three points against the teams they need to, which is something Roma's in the past had trouble with. Um, and then this Roma has struggled with the big side. So you're right. I think they have to, have to, have to get full points against anybody who's not in the top four race. And they're going to have to find ways to get some points off of Milan away, Napoli away at the end of the month. So those are two tough matches where you probably yeah. don't expect to get, you know, three points or six points, but two or four maybe would go a long way in, in getting in back into that race. And, you know, maybe if you could pull three points off Milan, then you're within three of them and they're, they're not as hot as they were last year. So there's certainly scenarios where there's plenty of time. Like you said, there's still 23 matches to go in the season. It's way too early to, to say, Oh my goodness, we're in seventh place. Well, seventh place is uh, th- three points out of fourth place right now. So there's, there's still plenty of wiggle room. They already have a head to head against Inter win. Uh, maybe they can do do the double on them, and then they put themselves in a good position. But definitely, they have to beat those those teams that are below them in the table. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, like we're we're literally four points out of like even third. Like it's yeah. three point. We're a win out of fourth place. So we'll see. Like we said, it's the it's those smaller teams. Like mind you, like you said, Udinese. No one really expected them to come out and really punish us the way they did. But they've been causing some trouble, but I don't think that lasts. So I we'll be fine. Like uh, we'll have to wait and see once the season kicks off again after this massive break. And like you said, hopefully we 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 got to pick off points from the top, the, at least the top four, to kind of get us in that spot and not drop any points really to the lower the lower table. Yeah. So looking at the rest of the season, bigger picture now. Roma's got you know twenty three Serie A matches. They're in the Europa League round of, I guess it's 32, the way they break that tournament down um, with Salzburg coming up in February. Coppa Italia mixed in. How, if you're Mourinho, assuming everybody's back, fully healthy, say no, say we don't purchase anybody besides Solbach and we'll just assume at this point, how do you think he should handle the roster with, you know, general Coppa Italia in January and then those Europa League matches? Some people say throw away the Europa League, like focus on the top four. What's your, out, what's your perspective on all that? I'm, I feel like it's such a, an Italian mentality for the teams to be like, oh, like if you're not champions, like why bother? Like we, it, if you're in a competition, you should be in it to win it. Obviously, it's tough because you got to kind of rotate your squad, keep everyone healthy, and keep people, uh, keep your starters where, you, where they're rested enough that you could play them when you need them against uh, bigger teams and in, in some bigger matches. So I think the best bet, because like obviously we're seeded for the Coppa, right? So we didn't have to play mm-hmm. in like the rest of the teams we're playing. I think Genoa's our first. Genoa's, yep. Yeah. Play some of the youth. Get Volparo out there. Get Bove out there. Rest your starters for your Europa and your uh, your bigger City A matches that are coming up. Because I think Genoa's like lodged in right, right after uh, the after Milan, Milan game. Yeah. So, and then right, like you said, Spezia, Naples, like Fiorentina too, so maybe see some youth play in some of the bigger competitions. Maybe not Europa just yet, depending because I think Salzburg can give us a bit of trouble. They've been, yeah, yeah I, they're I so. Uh, so you're probably gonna save some of your uh, your your 
more likely to your big starters, your starters in the 11th uh, play that game too. But for the Coppa Italia, I don't see why we should be fielding all our starters or making them play the full 90. Get in Volpato, get in Bove, get in Tahirovic, like you said. Like Just get these kids out there, get them some playing time. It's the best time too against uh, Genoa. Like we're not really risking anything. Yeah, I think in, in that case, you're right. I mean, it's it's a Serie B general, right? We're so used to Genoa yeah. being a Serie A team. They're not even Serie A this season. And that's a perfect time to get a Bove. And maybe you play Bove with Matic or with Cristante or Kamara. You you mix it in where you have a couple veterans because you're going to be playing some some veterans in that general side, some professionals. You don't want to overwhelm them with too many youth players. But if you mix in three, four youth players, maybe some fringe players like El Shirari, who doesn't get a whole ton of minutes all the time as a starter, you get Kambula in there and, and players like that. And I think you really have a nice mix. And, and Genoa's doing all right instead of be there. You know, 23 points are on third place. So they're in the mix for the promotion position where they should be really based on the reputation. But that's definitely one where you have to rotate. And I was just looking ahead at the schedule because I didn't do this the last time after the draw was made. Salzburg, the two matches are sandwiched in between. It's Lecce away, Salzburg, Verona at home, Salzburg, Salzburg. and then Cremonese away. So you're in a position there where you don't have a big match right before, right after, in between those Europa League fixtures where Mourinho could probably mix mix and match a little bit against Lecce, against Verona, against Cremonese, and really focus his his weapons on, on Salzburg. And then if you get past them, you see where the draw goes and you kind of handle that as it comes. But th- like, like you said, there's no reason to throw away a competition. Roman won the Conference League last year. Yes, a little less competition compared to like the Arsenals and Barcelona United, some of the teams you might run into in this Europa League, the way it these teams drop down from uh, the Champions League, but you got to go toe to toe with Salzburg. Salzburg could certainly beat Roma. We saw they, you know, they advanced in the Champions League last year and gave Bayern a lot of trouble in the first leg before really getting hammered the second leg in the round of 16. But with the way the schedule shakes out, it actually plays in the Roma's favor if they want to go full throttle, play everybody if everybody's healthy, and, and rotate on the weekend in those Serie A matches, which is which is a nice thing because it doesn't always work out like that. No, yeah, for sure. So like. You start, like you said, but even that mix and match and see what you get is maybe you're pleasantly surprised with some tandems in the middle. Like maybe something works out. Those are the best games to kind of get the younger guys out and see how they could pair up with some of the other guys on the field. Obviously, towards the end, you maybe want to get some of your starters to get a touch of the ball right before going into the Salzburg game. But there should be no excuse to not be trying to figure out what can work in case we do get stuck with some injuries and we have to kind of lean on the younger guys. Yeah, and I think the uh, thing too now with the five sub rule, if you do mix and match quite a few players and maybe the Verona match because they're really struggling or Cremonese, um, you can bring in, you know, kind of the the fire squad to to kind of put out the fire and and save you if you need to. Like if you rest Dybala and Pellegrini, it's not like, oh, we only have three subs and someone gets hurt and then we're down to two. We have five subs. You, you could kind of second half mix things up and, and salvage it, you know? Yeah. Um. So... Before we talk about the the Adidas links, your confidence level out of ten for top four right now, where, where would you put it before we uh, start to finish up? Somewhere at a seven, seven six, like it's lukewarm, but we haven't been fully healthy, so we'll see what happens after the break. Yeah, I agree. I'm somewhere around that seven range right now. I kind of want to see if we can get everybody healthy. We can get Win Halden back, get Solbakken in the mix. See if we make any other moves in January. I want to see where we are at the end of January. I said last week depending on how we get through the teams we mentioned, uh, Milan, Fiorentina, Napoli, along with Spezia and Bologna, that'll tell us a lot about this team after Mourinho has 50 days to work with the majority of the squad. Obviously, holidays excluded, so probably 40-something days. And we'll see where they are. If they, if, you know, By the end of January, they're right around fourth. I feel pretty good about the team they have. They already played Napoli twice, and they can kind of go forward from there and, and hopefully make a run in the Europa League, too. So I... Uh, you you actually brought it up before we came on the Adidas links. I'm excited for them because I'm not a big fan of the New Balance stuff from what I've seen on the pitch. I actually am someone who buys a jersey almost every season. My my wife not a fan of that so much, but yeah. Um, with New Balance, I haven't bought anything. I haven't really had the inkling to buy anything. Um, the only the only thing that really excited me with New Balance was more the sneakers because they made it a general lease. When we were with Nike, I think they had like. The uh was our third kit that was the black orange with the cement detailing on yeah, the shoulders. Yeah. They did like a one-off raffle for like a size nine men's, and I'm like, why? You're a big <laughs> sneaker producer. Make yep. it put like the fans will buy it. Like just make a run of a general run of the shoe, and 
I guess New Balance was listening on my tweets because they just did, uh, I think they put out three different shoe runs. So those are the only things that kind of excite me. The jerseys, I mean, nothing really to write home about. Yeah. And even the material, like I have the uh, away from last year and I have the home, uh, the home kit from this year. And I've played, I've played in them because I do play pickup soccer a lot and it just doesn't feel comfortable. Like the, the sweat sticks to you. Like I feel like, you see it on the pitch. You see it on, the I was just gonna say, you see it on like some like yeah. Zaniolo. He got soaked after ten minutes. It looks like they dumped him with like the Gatorade after a game. Like he's just soaked. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that it doesn't wick sweat or dry up. So, I mean, Adidas would be great, and I'm they're a bit more uh, creative on their jersey uh, patterns and what they do for some teams. And I think they've had Adidas way way back somewhere in the way early back. 90s. I think before I was a fan, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully they could kind of maybe dig back in what they've done then, uh, bring it more modern. It's going to be great. And what's good about Adidas too is it's a lot more accessible because they're a massive yes. distributor. Mm-hmm. Whereas New Balance, it's like it's really tough to get um, the New Balance kits. I find more even Nike, like there's something on the retail side of things, but it's something I understand because of work. But their uh, their allocations are different. So Adidas will probably mass produce a lot of stuff and we'll get a lot of it more on the shelves, especially stateside as well. So, Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I loved a lot of the Nike stuff that they produced. I had some great jerseys. And even talking about the material, I actually, the last season when they had the the stripes across the chest, um, toward the end of the season, my wife ended up getting me the, like, on-the-pitch Mancini jersey because it was, like, the same price as, like, the the replica by the time it went on sale. Right. And, man, that thing is – I haven't worn it to play, but I can only imagine how comfortable it will be playing because just, just wearing it around the house to watch a match, it's super comfortable. And I thought Nike did a great job with the designs. And then I've been very underwhelmed by New Balance. Like I thought the third jersey was hideous this year. I, I thought it was it was just too much. Some people loved it. I know it. Kiazzi Totti, we were split. Uh, Brandon and I hated it. Brad and Jimmy loved it. And the the white one this year is all right. Like if I could get it on sale, maybe at the end of the season, I would consider getting it just because I, I still don't have some of the players that I, are on the squad that I would consider buying. But I'm not like, oh man, I got to shell out a hundred dollars for this jersey. Like, I got a kid now. I got to think about like which jersey yeah. to buy for a hundred bucks, right? Because my wife will kill me. Um, so I'm hoping Adidas, like you said, kind of goes back into the archives when they had like the Burl sponsorship. I think is when they were on the jerseys, and they make a lot of good stuff. They're a mass producer; should be easier to get. Um, sometimes even like the outlets after the season. I remember picking up like um, I'm, I'm in New York. I picked up a Red Bull New York jersey at the outlets one time for like 15 bucks at the end of the season. Yeah. You know, like, Cause they'll make so many that they'll just be floating around and it'd be so much easier to get. I think. Yeah. It's, it'd be good to just get a lot more of the, the stuff to the fans, you know what I mean? All the yeah. merch, it's good to have. Um, but I, I'm just hoping Adidas as much as they do get really creative and they do a great job is they don't, like you said, that third kit that we had the black and the pink, I'm, I'm scratching my head. It's just like, I don't see it. Why, like, where did the black and pink come from? Yeah. Like, at least make it black and orange or something, right? Something to the teams like that they've the, like, in the past. Exactly. Like going back to the Nike one, it was black and orange. It made sense. You see that in the Roma, the Roma gear of previous seasons and in the archives. So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm, I won't, I'm not going to be very concerned with Adidas and putting out a great jersey. So uh, I'm a lot more relieved. I feel like New Balance, thank you, but yeah onto adidas yeah and for being like the main team that they sponsored i feel like they didn't come up with anything like outstanding it's not like they were distracted by the barcelona's of the world like nike where they're making stuff for these bigger clubs and the psgs like we we were the the team for them for the most part and they didn't exactly they didn't come through um yeah. just so as long as we don't have halloween and christmas jerseys like napoli and i'll, I'll be happy <laughs> Yeah, it's it's brutal. <laughs> I, the amount of kits they put out a season is it's, it's impressive. I said to my buddy today, I said to my buddy, I said, oh, can you imagine this is the team that's potentially winning the Scudetto wearing a Rudolph jersey? And he goes, imagine Osman scoring on you. How would you feel about that? And I was like, probably pretty shitty. Rudolph just scored oh, no, a goal it, on me. But it, It'd uh, be like r- rage quitting like you're on Xbox. Like you just don't want to see it happen, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, Moss, before I let you go, this has been great, but... There was one link today I have to bring up, and it's probably inevitable with Mourinho here and after what happened with the Piers Morgan interview yesterday. Cristiano Ronaldo linked as a potential suitor uh, at Roma. I I mean, what would your feelings be if it's even realistic, which I don't think it is, but if it were to come to fruition, how would you feel about that? Uh, I wouldn't be thrilled. Um, It's not the Cristiano of like five, six years ago that we're talking about. Um, We all know he has like that ego and that air about him, and he – 
I don't I feel like he's not that good of a locker room presence. I think that's the issue right now at United. And I don't know if it was an issue in prior seasons at Juve as well, but he just strikes me as that type of guy where you're trying to have that like Jordan or Kobe mentality where you're trying to get every like all oh, like I'm the best and you're hoping everyone kind of steps up with you, but it's not manifesting that way. I think the team just turns on him and he tries to make things very much uh centric, like centered on himself. We don't need that. Our teams, like right now, the chemistry within the team and the way the players are in that locker room, I feel are really good. So, like, thank you, but no, thank you. Like, yeah, that'd be my worry too. And I think he's the type of player that, even at, I think he's like thirty-eight now, he expects to start pretty much every match. And you know, he's gonna throw his hissy fits if he doesn't. I think that's been part of the problem at United too. Like Ten Hagen didn't just bow down to him because he's Ronaldo. And sure, like, could he help Roma here and there in spurts? He's one of the best players of all time, I'm sure. But he doesn't strike me as the guy, like you said, who's going to bring the team together. Like, I feel like a Messi's more of a, a team player than he is. And uh, yeah, he wants to bring the best out like Kobe and, and these guys do. And they all have that kind of little bit of an ego because they are they hold themselves such a high standard. Like, I remember, I haven't watched yet, but on Netflix, they have something about that uh, Redeem team that won the gold medal for the U.S., I think, in uh, 08 or whatever it was. And they were all out partying one day and they see Kobe leaving at five 30 in the, the morning for the, from the hotel to go to the gym. And that's kind of the same thing. And it, you kind of want everybody else to follow suit, but at the same time, not everybody's wired the same way to be such a work, a holic and such a maniac in the gym. And I, I don't know if it would jive well with what Rome was doing. And sure. Marino's there would probably mitigate that more than a 10 Hagen could at this point in his career. But I, I don't see where, you know, Roma's not like maybe, a couple goals away from a Scudetto or a Champions League where you take that risk, I don't think. No, we're not. And I don't see why we should upset the balance right now. And like I said, the like you said, Messi seems to be more of the team guy. Whereas I feel like Ronaldo, if it's not centered around him, he does pull those fits. Yeah. And I mean, hats off to Ten Hag for handling it the way he has because I feel like a lot of coaches just let him have his way. And then you see it kind of play out on the pitch the way it does with some teams. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and, and, I, and from what I can remember, I mean, he hasn't played a lot this year, but the past couple of years, a lot of his goals are from the, the spot, right? I mean, my, one of my buddies calls him Penaldo at this point because he comes in, draws a penalty or whatever, the refs bow down to him and he converts and it's like, oh, he saves the day for, for United. And uh, I don't think Roma needs it, but no. Mas, this has been great. Anything you want to leave the listeners with before we, uh, you know, go, let them know where to find you and then get all your takes and everything. I mean, for all my Roma takes and much more leveled, level-headed Roma takes, uh, I'm at Masricio uh, on Twitter, so M-A-S-R-I-C-C-I-O. Um, that's where you'll catch me mostly venting and watching and screaming at Twitter, like where's Chris? Why is Cristante booting the ball into oblivion? Like you'll catch me there. So uh, yeah, so at Masricio, and uh, thank you again for having me. Yeah, thanks again for coming on. And uh, hopefully everything, like you said, top four team by the end of the year. Maybe we'll have you on again before the end of the season. Let's uh, let's hope it's uh, it's, for, it's on good terms that they're uh, we're celebrating, hopefully. Yeah. All right, <laughs> All right. Mas, thanks. And uh, thanks to all our listeners. We're going to try to keep this up over this long World Cup break and try to keep it as Roma-centric as possible. So uh, Jimmy and Brandon should be back next week, and we'll, we'll definitely get a listener Q&A in there in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that. 